Hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Chris Freeman. I'll be hosting this Barron's podcast. I am the chairman of Barron's Advisor Programs in Australia. Today, I'm really excited about our guest, um, a colleague and friend of mine, staying up late in New York and uh, depriving him of some sleep, uh, making um, the effort to be with us today is Matt Bartels. Matt's executive editor at Barron's. So uh, welcome, Matt. How are you feeling? Chris, it's really, really good to be here. Good to be talking to you. And I don't mind the late shift. You know how that is. Yeah, the night shift. Right. So, um, Matt, just tell us, you know, you've got a very broad title there, but what do you actually do? So I'm the editor at Barron's who oversees our financial advisor ranking. So uh, at core, I have a lot of expertise looking at data uh, around financial advisory teams and individual financial advisors. Um, and I, I you know, spend all my days talking to financial advisors, figuring out what the best practices are, trying to build into our ranking system um, how, to, how to measure those best practices and reflect them in, in the way we rank financial advisors. And here in the States, we do eight financial advisor rankings a year. Uh, seven a year in the states and one in Australia, so eight eight total a year. And um, you know, I can I'm happy here to happy to talk as in, in as much detail as you'd like about uh, what we collect, what data we collect, and why and how we how we measure it. Yeah, well, uh, the thing I, I love about Barrons uh, in terms of ranking advisors, they're unlike a, any other product provider or in you know, Australian language dealer group here where there's potential conflicts. You guys are independent, uh, your journalistic background, and uh, you, you call it as you see it. And I know that all roads lead to you in terms of advisor rankings. So I thought uh, our audience may be interested in sort of hearing a bit about how you do. And you must have heard all sorts of, you know, uh, reasons and excuses and problems and issues over your time. How many, you know, you talk about seven rankings a year. How long have you been doing it? And tell me how it evolved. So, uh, we at Barron's, so Barron's is an investment magazine, as I think we know in, in the United States, 100, 102 years old at this point. Um, in, it, in 2004, Barron's took a look at uh, the financial advice industry and said, um, there's a lot of coverage of the worst in the industry, people who steal money from grandmothers and do terrible things, and there, there should be, uh, but that doesn't do any good for people who are looking for good financial advice and need it. And Barron's readers are all investors um, at heart, and we were looking for a way to kind of figure out how to direct them to people who were good at what they do rather than you know shaming the people who were bad, which again should happen. Um, so uh, the, the root of that in 2004, created a um, a top 100 advisor ranking, which was pretty crude in its inception, uh, very much based on the amount of money that advisors managed for their clients. And then quickly, that got more sophisticated. Uh, we, we started to uh, differentiate between the types of advisors, different flavors of advisory, uh, spread out uh, and and expanded the range of data that we co collect for advisors and and how we weighed it um, until we got where we get today. So we now have, you know, a top 100 ranking, which is our oldest ranking that goes back to 2004, all the way up to a top 1200 ranking, which here in the states is uh, around the top one percent of 
uh, all advisors in, in the states. Um, and we do that as a geographic ranking to uh, to kind of make sure that, that we get representation in all different geographic areas, regardless of how wealthy they are. Right. Um, so um, that's the, the short version of how long we've been doing it. We uh, partnered in a joint venture with a with a um, uh, a guy who initially launched this for us. And we ended up buying that that whole process so we could baronsify it. Uh, we weren't real pleased with the way it was heading, honestly, at the time. And we wanted to in, um, inject a lot of journalistic uh, ethos into it uh, as opposed to business ethos. And that was in 2008. So since then, since 2008, I've overseen this and applied journalistic standards to this, meaning um, it's walled off from all commerce. Uh, the people I work with are all editorial employees. Uh, we do you know, uh, there's not much, there's no opinion based in, um, in the rankings. Uh, it's data-based. Uh, we work backwards, obviously, into uh, what things we're going to include in the rankings. There's some opinion there. But once we do it, we have a formula and we, we collect the data and we let the formula do its work. It's not, I like Chris, he's very handsome. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's move him up. And, you know, Matt's not so handsome. Let's move him down. Um, uh, nor is it, you know, this guy bought an ad in the newspaper, so let's let's move him up. Or if this person didn't, uh, let's move them down. Um, uh, divorced from all, all all conflict on that front, and then we have you know other things connected to this uh, that that help raise standards. The the goal of all these rankings is to hold up the best in the industry in hopes of raising standards of of getting others to emulate what the best are doing. Um, and then that ends up being good for the readers of the publications, Barron's and the Wall Street Journal here in the States and the Australian, who is our sister company and partner in Australia for the Australian rankings. I've heard a number of advisors say it's just a ranking of the best advisors by the amount of uh, funds under advice that you have. And uh, how do you cover the qualitative part of it? So the funds under advice matter. Um, that That's you know, the, the way that that is amassed and how that grows, if that grows in a steady, um, on, a, on a steady basis year over year, it's a really good sign of a healthy practice that's doing right by its clients and they're getting referrals from, from happy clients to other clients, right? So it's a really good measure of some level of success, but it is far from the only thing that we care about. Uh, we also measure uh, the revenue that an advisor takes in, which people often say to me, why do we care how much an advisor makes? The answer to that is people vote with their fees. Uh, we could ask somebody to rate Chris Freeman as an advisor, one to five stars. Um, and, you know, you're going to get what you get on Amazon or any other site, which is stuff that's all over the map that could be really, really disjointed. Um, people, when they decide to pay somebody for managing their life savings, uh, they're going to vote in a way that indicates they're happy or not happy with uh, the value that's being provided at the level of, of fees that they're charging. So for us, the revenue is no is a proxy for client satisfaction. There's no better proxy for client satisfaction in our eyes than what people are willing to pay for the services uh, advisors are providing. So there's assets, there's revenue. Those are the two big money as, um, um, aspects of the ranking. And then we have a whole range of quality um, uh, measures. Uh, you know, what does your regulatory record look like? How long have you been in the business? How big is your team relative to the number of households that you serve? Um, 
you know, we, we come we come at it to look at your ability to service clients well. Like how how much how much how many resources do you have to service your client base? Um, what kind of charitable and philanthropic work do you do? There's there's 16 quality measures that come into play. Um, all gets thrown into a hopper of, of the formula, and and uh, that's that's how we rank the advisors. That's the that's the brief version. I could kill you with some more detail. No, no, no that's good. That's good. I, I remember. <laughs> When when I first joined Barons, I was sitting with you in um, the offices Barons in New York, and we were Australianizing the questionnaire. I remember, you know, the uh, getting rid of college fund advice in this because Australians don't have that issue here, and philanthropic work, um, maybe because Australians aren't as generous as our American cousins. I don't know, but I I know that we did start with that um evolution of the uh the questionnaire and you've sort of progressed that um since then so um you're you know it's not it's not it's not a perfect science but you know you're happy to stand by the way you do it and it evolves and um you sort of learn from all your experience and all the issues that you've you've come across in the past so um it's it's as objective as you can be it is objective. That's what we're aiming for, and no, nothing's objective in the world, right? But yeah. you know what we what we avoid at all costs is having opinion come in after after we've done a ranking. We look at it and and I eyeball it and say, or some, one of my colleagues eyeballs it and starts second guessing what this is. That's not that's not the way we do it. It's uh it's metrics based. It's formula based, yeah. and uh, the formula evolves and changes every year because. So all I do is talk to advisors about what's happening. You know, one of the big developments in in advisory in the states, and it's it's happening in, in rapidly in Australia as well now, is the move from individual financial advisors to to broad teams, horizontal teams. So you no longer have one person kind of caring for your financial needs. You have a whole group of people who are going who together are going to outlive the one advisor who might be the person you really identify with. That's the idea is that this thing becomes an enduring practice rather than something that's drilled into one person. When, when that happened in the States between 2012 and 2015, 16, that really, really accelerated that move to teams. And we had to come to terms with that about how we were going to um, uh, rank those individual advisors on those teams. How do you separate their contribution to that team from uh, from what's happening in the team at large, and then what do you do about ranking teams in general? Um, because that's that's an important thing, and it's, it's something we're doing in Australia right now. So the the formula evolves all the time to keep pace with what's happening in the industry, and uh, that's happening as we speak in Australia as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Speaking of what's happening in Australia, you know, you've been out here a number of times over the years. But also, you're in constant contact with Australian advisors and US advisors. Um, what can Australian advisors learn from the US advisors, and vice versa? Well, I, I would I would start the other way around for starters, because you know it's been a rough couple of years, obviously for for uh, the the advice industry in Australia, but it is in a, a pristine state right now. I, I dare say um, it's it's kind of gotten to a place where you know, whether you're in the UK or Canada or the United States, most developed countries are aiming to get where Australia is right now, which is um, a very consumer-friendly, consumer-focused, client-focused approach to financial advice led by the regulators, which is no fun for anybody, but it ends up being a really, really good thing for the end users of the financial services, right? So 
Um, it's been a painful couple of years. And now I, 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 uh, we were talking earlier, Chris, when I was saying it, it, I, I, uh, I picture a bug being buried in the dirt and kind of emerging from the from the dirt into into some some picture of glory. It feels like that's what's happening to this industry right now, where it's kind of emerging. Maybe it's better like a butterfly from a chrysalis or something, right, rather than a bug. But um, it does feel like you know uh, the first day of the rest of the industry's life is happening in Australia, whereas in the states we're very developed. Uh, in in a number of ways, the industry is very developed, but there's still a big bifurcation between uh, fiduciaries who are independent advisors held to a fiduciary standard, so they have to act in the best interest of their clients. And then there are a lot of employees of the big firms that are still not held to that standard. Many of them do behave that way. And Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch, at the top ends of that, they do behave as fiduciaries, but they're not, strictly speaking, regulated that way. Um, it's a big swing and a miss on our part here. And it's a big, um, not friendly to client uh, aspect of our of our of the business here. Um, let's hope it, it gets, um, you know, solved pretty soon in that, the, you know, all advisors are held to the same standard here. But right now, Australia's got it right. And we're we're behind on that. Okay, okay. Um, in conclusion, what what would be your best tips to advisors in Australia that are trying to get onto the the barons list and um how do they do that and have you got any advice well, the, the two them? things that i see it, it, you know a, a, whether it's in australia the uk italy we, we do some work in italy canada the U, U, united states the best the, the best advisors uh, always have a value proposition meaning um they always know what makes them different, what makes what is the thing that they do really well that is really hard to replicate and something that they can uh, use to identify clients who are a good match for them. Uh, those are the advisors that are doing really, really well. It's not easy to do. Uh, it's very easy to do a commoditized kind of version of general financial advice. It's harder to really provide some value. So defining that value proposition is a huge thing. And then I, you know, I, I could go. I could go into like seven things, but I think the two biggest things are forming teams, um, having a really, really good team that matches the the things that you're trying to accomplish in your value proposition, um, staffing to that value proposition, uh, making sure that there are redundancies and um, you know uh, diversity of age and gender and and race and ethnicity on your team. All of this is really, really, really important. You know, in the states. It is an overwhelmingly white male, um, older white male industry, overwhelmingly. And that is changing very, very quickly now because, um, you know, there's changing demographics coming up in, in younger generations. And also that's what, what younger generations kind of want to see is, is they want to see themselves in the people who are handling their money and giving them advice. Um, and you also want to inject those perspectives onto your team. So have a really good value proposition, really well-defined value proposition. and Form a team and uh, staff it to the value proposition in a way that's um, that's that's really going to deliver something um, that is sustainable and enduring and uh, can live beyond one advisor. Okay, that that's great advice, Matt. The CVP and the team. So um, just before we wind up, just a couple of um, other things I just want to touch on. When's the rankings happening for Australia this year? So people can second be half of July. Second half of and July, we're collecting collecting the data, and then it's going to run in the Australian on twenty uh, first September. 
Okay, so that's not too far away. So um, people should be uh, keeping an eye out for communications there and um, nominate themselves if they want to be ranked. And our summit is this year on in Melbourne for the first time. We've been Sydney-centric up until t- this year. So we're going to have Melbourne in, in October. And um, I think the uh, Save the Date went out yeah, last right. week. So I'd urge all the advisors to have a look at that and... Um, if you haven't been to a, a Barron summit, you should do yourself a favor and go. They are quality. And events. again, the the, the stand, the, you know, what we're aiming for in both publishing these rankings and um, and holding a summit, which is October eighth in 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 Melbourne, um, is raising standards in the industry. We're trying to convene the best advisors, people who are really really good and uh, reflective and interested in some self examination and getting better. Uh, convening them together. Having them exchange best practices and 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 uh, walking away and getting better with it, uh, we do. I, I I can say this because this isn't really my gig. This is the people who I work with. We do a really good job of those conferences here uh, in the states and in and in Australia, and it's a great opportunity to kind of get together with people who are really good and share uh, best ideas about it. Um, last thing I'll say, Chris, is if anyone has any um, or wants to participate in in the rankings and has any questions, you can reach out to my colleague Eileen Cho who is at uh, Eileen.cho at DowJones.com. So it's E-I-L-E-E-N.C-H-O at DowJones.com. And uh, that's about it. That's that's where we're heading for the summer, <laughs> for your winter. All right. Yep. And thanks for thanks for your time. I know it's late over there at the moment. And um, we uh, look forward to seeing you around the rankings time and also at the summit in Melbourne. So that's been very useful. Pleasure, Chris. Thank you, Matt. Chief information officers, long regarded as technical gurus serving the business, are often today's visionaries, evangelists, and change agents for the business. Join Deloitte's Lou DiLorenzo in conversation with tech leaders who've challenged the status quo, redefining the CIO's role by transforming organizations and industries. Where technology and influence converge, new opportunities and value can emerge.